I mean, I truly believe that one of the most important things we can do both for our careers, you know, our professional lives, our work, but also just for personal health and wellness and living a healthy, long, hopefully long and healthy life is finding believers and surrounding ourselves with people that believe in the beauty of their, you know, of our dreams. Hey friend, it's David Novinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you design your life and take ownership of your portfolio career. Special thanks to Kat Velos, prior podcast guest, who helped make this podcast episode happen. You can learn more about Kat's work at katvelos, V-E-L-L-O-S dot com. Today's episode is with Adam Smiley Podswolski. He is a millennial workplace expert, motivational speaker, and author of The Quarter Life Breakthrough and Breakthrough Speaker, and a new book called Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, which comes out May 4th, 2021. Smiley's TEDx talk on the quarter life crisis has been viewed more than 1.5 million times. In this conversation with Smiley, you'll learn career lily pads as a framework to think about developing and building and growing your portfolio career, tactical ideas on how to find and foster friendships in your life and why that is so important and needed right now, how Smiley pivoted in 2020 after most of his work came from being a public speaker, and then he pivoted into starting an author group to help other aspiring writers write their book. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Smiley. Uh, Smiley, welcome to the show. Great to be here today. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah, what an honor. On uh, Friday afternoon, we were just talking about mutual friends and mutual backgrounds of DC and San Francisco and um, things of that nature. So lots to talk about. Really excited for this conversation. Uh, I think another common interest I think that we have is um, uh, memes and GIFs uh, and how a meme or sending a friend a meme, especially during a difficult time, uh, can be a way to at least make someone smile. Uh, has there been a recent GIF or a meme that you've recently got that uh, made you laugh that you wanted to say, you know what, That's, that was a very nice gesture by someone? Well, I couldn't get enough of the Bernie memes going around with the mittens, you know, after the uh, <laughs> inauguration. That was my favorite of the last year, certainly of the pandemic. I, I was any, any, any meme with Bernie anywhere. I was for it. You know, I, my, my parents sent me one with Bernie outside their house, <laughs> you know, arms crossed. Um, I've seen ones and my sister sent, she's, she's a school teacher, elementary school teacher. She sent me one of Bernie outside her school. Um, I made one with Bernie reading my book. <laughs> um, so I was all for that. That was, that, that one made me smile every time. And, and that's, um, uh, I think sometimes during, this seems like a good segue in the sense of like, how do we stay in touch with people? How do we uh, create friendships? How do we rekindle old relationships? Um, and, you know, we'll get into the, you know, some the new book and stuff like that, but, and your work on relationships and friendships and stuff, but it seems like that's an easy way or low hanging fruit to 
rekindle or just spark joy in someone's life? Yeah, it was interesting, you know, with a lot of the people I interviewed in the book and about friendship in the age of loneliness, one of the most simple things people would talk about was just the power of reaching out and how hard that is sometimes, especially, you know, in this past year where you maybe you lost touch with someone or you haven't had a catch up call in six months or 12 months or longer. But then once you do it, it's like, why didn't I do that earlier? <laughs> right. Just to call a call, a spontaneous phone call, just wanted to catch you a little text message, sending someone an article that made you think of them, an old photo of a memory. So simple, yet so powerful. And just kind of getting over that hump of it's a little bit, you know, a little fear, a little intimidation. Is this awkward? But when you do it, it almost always is met with such love and grace and uh, it's really welcomed. So a lot of people mentioned how, how much they, you know, went out of their way to reach out to people and then how much they loved receiving that. And I think it's a simple, you know, one of the goals of my book is really just try to remind how, people how simple it is in many ways to be a good friend. It's, it's hard and it is hard, but a lot of the, the strategies and practices I'm proposing are not that hard, right? It's just being a decent person, looking out for your people, letting you know that, letting them know that you care about them, staying in touch, reaching out when you can, sending a note, a phone call, writing a letter. Um, I think if we all did more of that, we'd, we'd be a little bit less lonely. It's not going to solve everything, but we'd, we'd build a little bit deeper relationships and, and be less lonely. It seems like also there's a way to find uh, kind of believers in this same type of, and I know that ties into your TEDx talk a little bit too, but may, is there uh, a connection between this idea of like having believers uh, and kind of creating accountability around becoming better friends together and what that, how that can improve your life? Is there any kind of dots that we can connect between those? Yes. I mean, I truly believe that one of the most important things we can do both for our careers, you know, our professional lives, our work, but also just for personal health and wellness and living a healthy, long, hopefully long and healthy life is finding believers and surrounding ourselves with people that believe in the beauty of their, you know, of our dreams, because it's very easy to find people in your life that when you tell them you're going to write a book or start a podcast or change jobs or get a new job at your company or start a new project, they kind of roll their eyes and say, yeah, whatever, everyone's doing a podcast, right? Oh, what a cool thing to do a book. You said that six months ago, you're never going to do it. And it's a lot harder to find the people that are going to actually say, okay, cool. When, <laughs> right. <laughs> when are you going to write the book? When are you going to launch your first episode? When are you going to start uh, the business? When are you going to uh, ask for a raise or a promotion or to change your job within your company? And to find those people, the people that are in your corner that are standing beside you is hard, but is so important to actually achieving those dreams because those believers are going to be the people that hold you accountable. They're going to be the people that share the book, help you raise money to do a crowdfunding campaign, find guests for your podcast, spread the word, help connect you with potential job offers. If you don't have those people, it's really hard to achieve your dreams and your goals. So um, I believe that if we kind of talk about that more and create more circles of accountability, we're supporting each other. A lot of this book is really kind of creating that ecosystem of support. Um, one of the most meaningful experiences I had during the pandemic was uh, shortly after lockdown, you know, in spring 2020, um, starting an author support group to help people that were working on their books. 
you know, I lost most of my business. I, I'm a public speaker. So I speak at companies and conferences and most of my time is spent traveling and going around the country and the world speaking, which is great, except when there's a pandemic <laughs> and, you know, everything was getting canceled immediately. So I had to figure out a way to not only make a little bit of income, but also what to do. <laughs> and one of the things I decided to do was start an accountability group where people would show up you know, once a week to talk about the books that they were working on and have an accountability buddy to work on their books. And that group was in April, 2020. And, you know, a majority of the people are still meeting with their accountability buddy nearly a year and a half later, right? I'm not even running the group anymore, <laughs> but people are still chatting and talking and working on their projects together. And that's the power of accountability. And that was this, uh, that group, kind of started as a smaller idea and then it turned into you know a little bit more and was able to get by financially and stuff through the pandemic and stuff like that yeah and then I ran it again um the first one you know I I you know charged a little bit of money but I also made it free for anyone that you know couldn't couldn't afford it or or was struggling because so many people uh in my community were, were hurting financially with with the pandemic so it wasn't really kind of a business you know move. Although then the second time I ran it, I charged more money and I'm not running it now because I'm focusing on my own book, but I'm going to run it again later in 2021. And it's one of those kind of projects that a is providing value for people <laughs> and is also, you know, um, provides money, you know, is I'm able to make some money from it. So it's, I think those are the most important projects, ones that are actually people want. <laughs> Everyone's trying to write a book. It's really hard to figure out how to do that. And most importantly, it's hard to find the support to do that because all of us are writing or doing creative work in isolation, you know, mm -hmm. but actually writing a book really requires a community. Every aspect of the writing process <laughs> requires a community from researching, finding stories, interviewing people, testing out your subject, your, your title, your subtitle, if people think your idea is even good. Then when you get to the actual editing stage, you need people to give you feedback and edit the book. And then when you get to the marketing stage, it's all about community and getting the word out and sharing on social media and all that stuff. But that's not really built in for most authors. We're kind of just doing it on our own. So to have more kind of groups like that is really important. And, you know, I kind of created what I was looking for. I was like, I'm, in, I'm writing a book during the pandemic. I'm alone doing this. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if I had some people to do this with? Yeah. And, and this also, it, it kind of ties into uh, another idea of, of yours is around kind of like the career lily pad uh, in the sense of like, I'm an author. I need accountability. I've written books before. Uh, and instead of climbing up some other ladder, a uh, career ladder, you said, what's adjacent to, uh, to my skills or to, you know, to my possibilities. Uh, maybe talk to, to us a little bit more about um, the career lily pad uh, concept. And yeah, so, you know, I think we've uh, for for too long had the kind of the metaphor that most people are taught either in high school or college or in their, you know, early career is to kind of get on the career ladder, right? Uh, it, it's, it's, unit, it's omnidirectional, it moves up, you get on the bottom and you move up, right? You, you start, go to school, maybe grad school, get an internship and you keep working your way up. And at some point, you know, you're 65 and you can retire and play golf or something. But the truth is that's not really the way the job market or the career landscape works in this era, right? Technology is changing so quickly. Many jobs are becoming obsolete. 
um, you know, we have technology and, and AI is changing the system. And most people, the average millennial will have 15 or 20 different jobs in their lifetime, right? And job tenure rates for young people are, you know, on average one to two years for people of any age, it's about four years, also not that long. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to think of their career as a pond of lily pads spread out in all directions. And if you think about lily pads, uh, the roots of lily pads are, are all connected, right? That's kind of what's meaningful to you, what's important to you, what your purpose is, what your gifts are, um, the impact you're trying to have. It's all connected, but the surface will look very different as time goes on, right? So you may start in you know, like I was working in government, you know, nearing the age of 30 and doing a lot of writing and political communications, you know, but I might hop to a new lily pad, take those writing communication skills, but apply them to being an author or a public speaker, uh, an entrepreneur. Um, Doesn't mean I'm starting over at the bottom of the ladder. There is no ladder. (laughs) There is no going back to zero. There's no any number, right? You're just shifting what you're doing and taking all those experiences. And it means that no matter what, you have to constantly grow. You are always reading a new book, listening to a new podcast, gaining a new skill, going to a conference, having a conversation that helps you kind of shift the lily pad that you're on and always be uh, doing something that excites you and is interesting. It doesn't mean, you know, some people think of that metaphor and say, oh, you say, quit my job. So I have 3000 lily pads, quit my job every two weeks. That's not what I'm saying. I do believe though, that it means you have to be constantly growing and evolving so that, you know, each week, each month, each year of your career looks a little bit different because you're gaining, you you know, something happened is happening in the world. You're gaining a new skill. You're changing your approach. You're adapting to the times you're growing, you're challenging yourself because it's kind of boring even you know, I've now written several books. Each one is about a different topic. I don't want to write 10 books about the same topic <laughs> as a creative. I, that, that bores me. That scares me. I'm, I'm, you know, I was very interested in, in, in careers and I still am, you know, six years ago, but now I want to write more about friendship and connection. So that's okay. That's just a new lily pad. I don't get rid of the career stuff. I just hop to a new lily pad and, you know, explore something new and take what I've learned with me. And it makes this conversation uh, extremely diverse in the sense that we can talk about the career stuff. We can talk about the book stuff. We can talk about friendship. We can talk about, you know, so it's not, you know, completely focused on one lane. Um, so that's what I thought was really cool and exciting about this conversation was like weaving in, you know, prior chapters, prior lily pads of your passion and your expertise around careers and the, you know, and the stuff that you're working on now as well. So a modern example, living example, et cetera. Totally. Um, and speaking of uh, transitioning and, and kind of evolving, like your book evolved, right? Like it didn't the, the subtitle was around, you know, being a best friend to, to one person. Uh, and talk to us a little bit about like the power of like just what one friend can be. Cause one of the ideas that I have is I think like people are kind of like one email away from a new job um, mm. or these like small little micro moments and, and, you know, and, and, and so I was curious to hear your thoughts on like, you know, could, what, what could like one friend do and what could, right. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the goals of this book is to demystify a little bit about connection. I think we are in a world where connection often means platform or followers or scale and growth and amount, <laughs> right? The more friends you have, the better. And what I started to realize both in my own life and in my research was that what I was really seeking 
was deeper relationships with a few people. And actually the research supports this, that most people, that's what they feel that they're lacking is deep, meaningful relationships with people. The person that's going to bring the birthday cake to your birthday party, right? The person that you know, that's going to show up or that's going to be there when you're sick or when you're going through a really hard time, not the 500 people, you know, that are going to like your photo on Instagram or Facebook. Um, The person that's really going to be there. And, you know, this, 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 this book really grew out of my wanting to write about my friendship and what my friendship meant with one of my dear friends um, who passed away at the age of 32. One of my best friends died at the age of 32 from a brain tumor, from brain cancer. Uh, and he was a very special man that started, um, and I think listeners of your podcast have heard um, some about Camp Grounded from Jillian Richardson. Camp Grounded was a tech-free summer camp for adults, a digital detox, where people go into the redwoods for four days. We take their cell phones, their computers. They don't have access to technology. They can't use their real name. They can't talk about work. Uh, no drugs or alcohol. Uh, no talking about age. It just gives people a place, a container to connect with their authentic selves and to be vulnerable and to channel their inner child and really just play and, and connect authentically with a group of 300 other adults for four days. And we held um, 15 camps over the span of five years in California, New York, Texas, North Carolina. Uh, and it was a really transformational experience. So I wanted to write about what Levi meant to me, what I learned from him, what I learned from Camp Grounded, and channel that into this idea of, yeah, one relationship you can touch. Now, Levi touched you know, hundreds, thousands of people, right? Not just the people that came to camp, but the people that heard about camp from the stories of you know, what people shared and people have written about camp and magazines and books. Um, But just to show that it really, what we're talking about here is that having a real conversation with someone, telling them that you care about them, staying in touch, writing a handwritten note. I mean, how often do we get handwritten notes from people in 2021, right? We get mail, bills, maybe a wedding invitation, you know, a magazine, that's all the mail we get, right? But to get a handwritten note from someone that you haven't heard from in a while, telling you that you, uh, that, that they love you is so beautiful. And that's enough. And that that's powerful. The simple power of being a good friend was what my original subtitle was. Um, the publisher and I, we, tried, we decided to change it to make it more about connection, especially in, in light of the pandemic. Um, but I think that that is kind of the spirit of the book still is the simple power of being a good friend or showing up for someone or being a better friend. And that, yes, loneliness is a is a major epidemic um, affecting at this point, you know, two thirds of Americans, nearly two thirds of Americans experience loneliness, 80% of Gen Z. So folks that are uh, younger than about 20 and 70% of millennials are lonely. And these were numbers prior to COVID-19. <laughs> prior to a year of social isolation and lockdown, um, you know, this is a major epidemic. One thing we can do, not going to solve everything, uh, is be a better friend, look out for our people, and remember the power of human connection And uh, at the local level, right? Because I think mm. uh, a lot of people I talk to for the book that are kind of building community and you know, Jillian's a great example of this, but starting locally, starting with just a few people, right? Starting that accountability group or that meetup group or that, you know, Zoom, Zoom night on Tuesdays where people gather and have dinner or talk about creative projects, uh, whatever that little thing that you can do to bring people together. That's great. That's, that's good. That's enough, right? 
you know, it doesn't have to be starting a huge organization or launching a global policy. If we all do that and look out for the people in our own lives and in our own neighborhoods, you know, that's going to have that kind of butterfly effect and reach more and more and more people. Mm-hmm. And what would, um, what would you say to Levi if he was here today? Mm, great question. I would, I would let him know that, Hey, we still feel you. You're still here. You know, your, 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 your legacy, your light is still shining, right? The torch is still that, you know, the torch that you lit is still, um, the flame is still burning, you know, the reminder to look up from our devices, you know, disconnect to reconnect was camp's motto. And that's was kind of Levi's credo and mission disconnect to reconnect. So it wasn't just disconnection, right? A lot of people that would write, um, articles about camp would say, oh, they're just trying to escape technology. They'll never escape it. They're going to come back. You know, the, it's impossible to escape. You know, it's just a retreat. It was also the motto was disconnect to reconnect. So it was the power of developing a more mindful relationship with technology and your devices, realizing how much time you're spending, you know, looking at your phone, looking at a screen on social media, so that the rest of the year, when you're not at camp, you're more aware of it. You can build healthier habits. You can, you know, not have your phone be the last thing you look at before you go to bed, you know, uh, not bring your phone into the bedroom, turn off your push notifications, um, have that much more of a balanced relationship with technology. And so I would say, hey, you know, Levi, you started a movement that now, you know, so many people have taken and evolved into many different ways. You know, we have Center for Humane Technology and Tristan Harris is doing all this great work and The Social Dilemma, which is this amazing documentary on Netflix, you know, that was the number one film on Netflix for a few weeks. Um, Meaning the movement that a few people were talking about, you know, seven, eight years ago that Levi helped birth and start is, is now a huge thing. And it matters more than ever because, you know, the numbers around tech addiction, especially for young people, you know, we have um, the majority, I think it's, you know, 30% of TikTok users are 13 to 17 and 70% are under the age of 17. (laughs) Mm. You know, it's, it's, that's too many. (laughs) That's a lot. Um, You know, 90% of 18 to 29 year olds are using the internet almost constantly, according to Pew Research Center. Uh, So this is not a problem that's gone away, but people like Levi kind of have helped bring awareness and attention to it so that we're talking about it more. And maybe we can have more uh, regulation and intention when it comes to building meaningful technology and building more balance in our digital lives because, you know, technology isn't going away, right? Right. (laughs) If anything, technology is just going to become more prevalent in our lives. So bringing more awareness to this subject is crucial and critical and people remembering the power of human relationships. You know, one of the things that I found so interesting in, 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 in research for this book is that it's very simple. The data, the research shows that you know, one of the biggest determinants for living a healthy and happy and long life is social relationships, period. It affects everything. (laughs) Your cardiovascular system, anxiety, stress, you know, not having close friends or close uh, social relationships is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It literally can kill you to not have healthy connections in your life. (laughs) And and what do you think holds people back the most in the fact that like they know that this is a problem. They know 
that they should do this. What do you think is holding them back? Or what would you want to say uh, to that person? That's like, yeah, I understand that's the problem, but like, what do you think? You're not alone. I'd say you're not alone. Right. I think it's, you know, um, someone and I interviewed for my book, I think likened it to, you know, a game of chicken where like, nobody wants to be the person that comes into the circle, but we all feel like we're in the circle, you know, we're all feeling the same thing. You know, everyone's feeling a little awkward. Everyone kind of feels this way. Okay. Like I have all these connections. I'm communicating with people all day long on social media, but why do I still feel lonely? You know, why do I still miss my friends? Okay. Well, if I talked about it a little bit more, Oh, you feel the same way too? Let's let's hang out. Let's be <laughs> friends. <laughs> right? So I would say name it, own it, we're with you. You're not alone. We're feeling the same way. We want similar things. Put yourself out there. Someone is going to say, "Yes, and me too. I'm with you. Let's hang out. Let's do this." Um, or you're going to start a, you know, looking out for the club. Hey, is that, has anyone done this in my town, my city? Maybe someone has, if they haven't start it, there's going to be other people that want to do it with you. Right. Like I'm sure, uh, there may have been right. Like there's been other people that have written about this topic. There's other people that have written career books, but it's your book, your ideas, your worldview, your stories, your context, your spin right here, right now. And yes, totally. And so the same thing also about with Levi too, is in the sense of like the, the things that you do now have ripple effects. And also to the same thing you said, start a small little, you know, group to talk about creative ideas. You don't know what that can turn into six months from now, a year from now, right? what other lily pad or just who knows what right. magic can come from that. Right. I say, I call it in the book, being, be a minister for loneliness in your community. Right. You know, England, uh, Britain, a, a couple of years ago, uh, assigned at the government level, which is really amazing, a, a minister for loneliness because of skyrocketing rates of loneliness in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would be great if every nation had one and if every state had one and every city had one. But that's unlikely. But you can become a minister for loneliness in your own community with the simp- simple acts of you know, chatting with more strangers, talking to more people, doing events and meetup events and helping people connect uh, virtually and in person where you live. And, you know, that what you said about the not worrying what other people have done, I think is so important. I can't say how many people when it comes to um, authors that I work with and authors that I talk to have the, well, you know, a lot of people have written about career change or so many people have written about friendship, or I want to write a book about diversity inclusion, but there's so many books out there. I'm I'm all about vulnerability, but Brene Brown. And it's like, do you know how many books about Abraham Lincoln have been written? (laughs) Do you know how many vegan cookbooks there are? (laughs) Yeah. You know, do you know how many, (laughs) you know, people have been right? Who cares? The point is you haven't written your story yet with, with, with your own experience with your insight, the way you want to say it. Now, if you don't have anything to say, don't write a book, obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have any unique ideas, you have to go live more, experience more. And, and so you have something to say. But if you have something to say and you're worried about the fact that other people have written about the subject, that's called life. <laughs> you know, the fact that someone has written about it means it's something that people care about. Yeah. 
I'm so glad that I didn't let that thought intimidate me from writing this book because there are books about friendship, connection, and loneliness. But you know what? 60% of Americans are lonely. So clearly there's not enough books yet. Mm, bingo. Right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, and we're saying that technology is going to make the trend and the problem even bigger. So yeah, that's, that's, um, I wonder if what other kind of lenses we can apply that to maybe some other kind of career frameworks in the sense of like, you know, what are growing fields, growing markets? Uh, I know we talked about lily pads, but any other kind of career frameworks that kind of come to mind? Well, I, I mean, in terms of, you know, ways to f- approach your career, I mean, I, you know, I'm a growth mindset person. Um, I'm all about kind of constantly growing and adapting. Um, you know, I think that I'm reading a book now by Adam Grant called think again, which is awesome. It just came out. It's all about kind of knowing what you don't know and challenging how to kind of challenge your opinions. And, um, one of the things he talks about is just the power of listening and, you know, listening to the power of listening. (laughs) 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 Got it. Good. (laughs) Nice, David. Um, and not just listening so that you can butt in and say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But just listening to understand. So that's something I always am trying to do, even with my work of, you know, as I build my business, just making sure that I'm really kind of connecting with people and listening to their experience and seeing what the next thing might be and not limiting myself to to one way of thinking or one approach, because I think that that's really powerful. And we need more of that in the world, right? We, We become so kind of polarized and, oh, I won't talk to that person, right? Or, you know, they're over there, we're here. We don't agree on anything. And that way of thinking is actually, it's all connected, right? It's connected Mm -hmm. to the loneliness piece. You know, that's the other thing. And I don't go into a lot of that in the book, although I do talk a little bit about bridging the, the divide a little bit, but, you know, the research shows that one of the reasons that people are driven to um, conspiracy theories or right-wing hate groups or being uh, ultra conservative is because they are lonely is be, and it makes sense, right? That's why people find hate is because those groups give them community. (laughs) Um, And it's, and it's really sad. That's the real dark side of some of this stuff is what happens when people are really socially isolated or, you know, don't have connection in their lives and someone reaches out and says, Oh, you can come with us. We'll, we'll make you, we'll give you a family. And now here's what we believe. It's the worst stuff ever, but then they feel at home. So um, the power of of rethinking and always challenging our ideas and remembering to kind of think, how can we um, bridge the gap, bridge the divide a little bit more, I think is, it might not be a career model, but I think it's a way of living. Which has career implications. Sure. I love that. Uh, And is there um... Uh, is there any other things that you would say to aspiring authors given, uh, you know, the workshop that you ran, the multiple books that you written, you know, gone through this journey as well. Any, anything out there to the aspiring author of like, you know, here's a lesson learned or, you know, you need to have X following or, you know, I would say a couple of things. I would say community is everything. So start building your community yesterday. (laughs) You know, no matter what you end up writing, no matter what kind of book it is, you're going to have to have a community around yourself to make it, to get it out there, to build it up. So that's, 
that that is part of the work. It's also the best part because you get to meet interesting people. So start reaching out to people that are writing about similar topics or whose work you find interesting or whose podcast you enjoy listening to. Get on the phone with them. This one, when it's safe to, if you live in the same place, go take a a walk with them, have coffee with them. Um, Those relationships are going to be so critical down the line. And I'd say the other thing is um, start, you know, don't writing a book takes a lot of time, whether you end up self-publishing or publishing with a traditional publisher, hybrid publishing, I would say, you know, people always ask, should I do this? And I say, well, how much have you written yet? And they're like, well, I haven't written anything yet, but should I publish? I'm like, don't worry about what, you know, don't worry about how you're going to publish, just start writing. Cause no matter what you got to write the damn book, right? So just start. Um, it's going to take some time, but in that exploration, you're going to find your voice. You're going to find the real idea, the kind of the heart of the book by just getting going. I know people say that, but I think it's really critical to remind people that, you know, at the end of the day, really writing a book means you just sit down and write the book. <laughs> I, it's yeah. so obvious, but it's so true that people want to talk about it a lot more than they want to do and sit down and do it. Sitting down and doing it is, is where the work is. So just start doing it. Um, you'll figure out, you know, a lot of people I know that start, start writing one book, end up writing a different book. And then they come back to the first book in three years, you know, or four years. Awesome. That's great. That's part think, of it. They think differently. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and also this, um, you've done, you have such a, an incredible body of work, but I also think this, uh, this also ties around kind of like the breakthrough. Uh, and I, I really like the way that you kind of demystify the breakthrough in the sense of that it's mostly, or it can be thought about in the sense of, uh, serving others and, and being with others as opposed to the breakthrough billion dollar company idea. Um, so, uh, that, that was my, my kind of take on some of your breakthrough work, but uh, I really love that the work that you've been doing there. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to resurface that idea in the sense of like a breakthrough is mostly just finding the fuel and finding yes. the creative juices and the meaning behind the work yes. and not the massive success company type of breakthrough. Yeah. I, I have, you know, I am lucky that now I make enough money to do what I love and to impact people. I have never sold, you know, millions of books. I've never been a New York times bestseller. You know, that's, I hope one day maybe that happens, but that's not why I do what I do. Uh, I believe that a breakthrough is, you know, a moment of, you know, finding meaning and finding purpose and, and connecting and connection. That's what it is. Connection. Like I said before about, you know, the friendship piece, if you are connecting with one person or a group of five people or a small community, that's it. That's good enough. That's wonderful. You know, this whole idea that a successful community has to build a multi-million dollar business with a functioning app, you know, that has a MailChimp funnel and, you know, reaches, <laughs> reaches 50,000 people a week is, is garbage and crap and is, you know, some Silicon Valley venture capital myth you know, a community is a group of people that supports each other. If you build that, you've done it. Great. You know, keep doing it, build another one or make it even better. Wonderful. You know, I, I think, um, I, I, I don't, I don't tie metrics of success or breakthrough to money or fame or follows. That's not what this is about. Um, this is about, 
meaning, connection, purpose, transformation, reaching one person, uh, and reminding and, and and reminding others of, of that, and also you know looking out and saying, okay, who's you know how can you pass the torch? How can you help others? How can you help other people get started? How can you help other people that have less opportunity um, or aren't being seen or heard in the industry you're working in? That kind of stuff. So. Uh, I, I try to, I try to, I try to model that and try to work on that as much as possible. I love that beautiful way to uh, kind of wrap up here, Smiley. Unfortunately, but um, please let listeners, if for that one person that wants to join your community, that wants to follow your work, wants to uh, buy your book when it comes out, tell people where they can um, find all those things. Yeah, so you can buy the book on Amazon, Friendship in the Age of Loneliness. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at what's up smiley and check out my website and my newsletter at smileypozwalski.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, smiley. Thank you so much, David, for having me. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of portfolio career podcast. would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much. 